one. Mm. Well, I love this church. I, I just want to say that from the very beginning. And I, I like to say that every time I enter into the pulpit. I do. I love this church. And I love this church body and what it represents to me. It's been there uh, through the thick and the thin. And uh, as I've said to some before, the church isn't going anywhere. We're not going anywhere. We're going to be here. You might, you might fall away for a minute or two, but we're going to be here when you're ready to come back. We're going to be here for you. And uh, that's, that's encouraging right there all by itself. Uh, please be seated. I'm not sure if I have anything really dynamic or uh, earth-shattering, I think it might be the term I used when I was talking with Pastor Hood in his office a little earlier, but um, I do feel like there's, there's going to be a message here and some, some teaching and whatever you want to call it going on this evening. Um, <clears throat> I'm going to talk about the body, the body of Christ, and so the title of this is going to be We Are the Body. Everybody say that with me. We are the body. Absolutely. We are the body. Uh, on the topic of fellowship is what, is what we're, we've been hearing about for the last few weeks on our Wednesday evening uh, Bible study, and it's been really good, and it's been, it's been harmonious is what it has been, is what I would say. I've, I've heard message after message that really they build one upon another, and it helps us to get a clear picture of what's happening with the body of Christ, with the church, and with fellowship, and how critical fellowship is. In, in the role of the church. Um, but I, I might break some people's hearts when I say this, and that is fellowship is not simply going out to eat with one another. Uh, I, I want to make that clear from the beginning. I know I like to go out to eat, and I like food, and I mean, I like to stay in to eat. I, it doesn't matter where I'm eating. Food is good, and, you know, we're going to have some food here after, after this short lesson tonight, this evening. Um, but Fellowship is, is really, I look up the definition or a couple of different definitions, there's, a, there's many. It's a group of people or an organization with the same purpose. So to me, it sounds like coming together in one accord and in one mind. It's also a friendly feeling that exists between people who have a shared interest or are doing something as a group. And that really defines what we're doing in this church. We're, we have a shared interest. That is making heaven our home, making heaven our final destination, and, and finding as many souls as we can get along the way. That is, that is critical to what we're doing here in this church. But to have fellowship, there must be interaction and association one to another in order for there to be fellowship. You, you really, it's kind of hard to fellowship by yourself. Uh, I mean, I'm, I'm okay at carrying conversation, but I don't remember any good conversations I've had by myself uh, in a long, long time. It's important. We need, we need interaction. We really do. We, we need to, to come together and to, to share ideas and, and encouragement to one another in the church. The church is also, it's a body of believers. It's not a building. We, you know, we've heard this before. Uh, it's a body of believers, the ecclesia. It's the called out ones, or also it's an assembly. And the church is a God-ordained institution. The church is one of, one of few. Uh, there aren't many. There, aren't, there, are, there are several, but there aren't 
an extraordinary amount of God-ordained institutions. But the church is one of them. And if God ordains something, he, he's going to make sure that it succeeds. He's going to make sure that it is successful. He's going to make sure that it's equipped. He's going to make sure that it's being taught properly. And things are moving forward if you have the Spirit of God and if you're following after the Word of God. Um, <clears throat> 1 Corinthians 12, verses 12 through 14 read, For as the body is one and hath many members, and all the members of that one body being many are one body, so also is Christ. For by one Spirit we are all baptized into one body, whether we be Jews or Gentile, whether we be bond or free, and have been made, been all made to drink into one Spirit. For the body is not one member, but many. So that's us. We are the body. We are, we are the church. We are, you are critical, not just the pastor, not just the, the musicians and the, all these, but every single person sitting in here is critical, not just important, but absolutely critical to what's going to happen in this church. God has brought you here for a reason. And if you're a first-time visitor, maybe God has brought you here for a reason tonight. And uh, you just have to have an open mind, an open heart, and a, and a searching for, for something more than what you've seen in the past. God can, could have used any analogy to describe the church, but probably none more appropriate or accurate than the body. Um, there are many, and we'll talk about a couple others, but I'm going to start here talking about the body. We, as individuals, become a part of a larger whole, something that is greater than ourselves. And I believe that, you know, as we, as we mature and as we move on through life, we, we look for something that is greater than ourselves to, to be a part of because we want to have something that's going to sustain not, not only ourselves, but it's going to sustain our families. It's going to sustain our, our, our friends and, and those that we are loved ones. We need something like that. It's our, it's our legacy. It's our heritage. And it's important that we have the church as that. Uh, there is simply no life for an individual body part outside of the body. You, if, you, if you lose a finger, I could ask, what's going to happen if you cut your finger off? Is that finger going to, is it going to grow a body or is it just going to die? Even my friend right here, he, he says the right answer. It's going to die. It, it, we are members. And without the body, we're not going to make it. We have to have the body. We'll, we'll never be successful without the body. That's, that's not God's plan. It's simply not God's plan. A, a body cannot grow and mature unless its parts or members are healthy, both physically and spiritually. 1 Corinthians 6, 19 through 20 says, What? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which ye have of God, and ye are not your own, for ye are bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. We can't neglect the spirit. This, the body of Christ, the church, is a supernatural entity. The church is a supernatural entity in spirit, but we are the physical embodiment of it here on the earth. Uh, we need to ensure that we maintain a healthy body, a healthy temple. If we focus and concentrate solely on one another's physical health or appearance, we're going to neglect the more important spiritual state 
We must encourage one another and build the faith of our members. That is very important. That is one of the key, key things that we do as a, as a church, as a people, is we help one another. We build the faith. Uh, people don't necessarily come in off the street full of faith and understanding. It doesn't happen like that. They, they have to learn somewhere. And this is where it happens, right here inside, inside the building or inside the group or the body of people. A human body cannot benefit and it doesn't heal or it doesn't grow by diminishing or harming another part of the body. So if, if I feel like I don't like my big toe, it just, it's not appealing to me. I just want to get rid of the big toe. Getting rid of the big toe is not going to help me out. Getting, getting rid of the big toe is going to hurt me. Uh, it's going to hurt you. We, every single part is critical. Every single part is important. Uh, big toe is just one example. I mean, it could be anything. We need to have the entire body. And if you, if you are excluding something, it's only going to cause harm to the greater, the greater part. Um, a human body doesn't benefit. We cannot become what God desires for us to become by tearing one another down or causing harm to any part of the body. I will not be getting into what corrective action must be taken when there is a perceived cancer or a disease that has infected the body. But most of us understand that what, what steps are taken when this occurs in the physical body itself, what is a surgeon going to do? You, you don't have a lot of options. You know, you're going to be able to, you're probably going to cut it off or you're going to treat it and, and kill that thing that's harming you. And in studying, some, something can be removed from the body and then engrafted back in. And the Bible talks about that. So if, if you have to do something, it's, it's for the betterment of the whole. It's not necessarily, we're not here to punish anybody. We're, this isn't a church that we're, we're out to get you. We're, we're not here to, to put you down or to, um, to, to, to cast you away. Uh, we, want, we understand that everybody has, makes mistakes and we need to learn from those mistakes and we need to grow. And, and help one another to overcome these things. Um, other examples of God's word compare believers as part of a building or a tree or a family. And the family is what I want to talk about next, and that is we are the children of the Most High God. Uh, the family is another one of God's ordained institutions. It's a God-ordained institution. You have in each and every one of us have not only the church family, but we have our our natural family or our earthly families as well. This this becoming a family, the church family, makes us brothers and sisters in Christ. And um, people ask, well, why do you why do you call one another brother and why do you call one another sister? And it's for this reason: we are uh, brothers and sisters in Christ. Ephesians one and five says this: having predestined us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself according to the good pleasure of his will to praise the glory of his grace wherein he hath made us accepted and beloved in whom we have redemption through his blood the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace and that's not exclusive that's not just for certain people uh, if you have a certain income or if you have a certain whatever you, you want to say. This is for everyone. This is, this is the same for everyone. God is no respecter of persons. We have to, have to understand that this is God's will. It's God's plan. 
He is the one who puts the body together where he sees fit. We can't question that because God is, is sovereign and he, his will is, is perfect. Uh, we are adopted into the family of Christ. And I know that might sound strange. I will say this. Um, <clears throat> uh, my, my youngest brother and my, my younger sister, I only have one sister, they are adopted. We adopted them. My family adopted them back uh, when we were all little, and they were probably, you know, five years old. My brother was about five, and my sister was probably seven or eight. Well, I've never, for a day in my life, considered them anything but my brother and my sister. There's, they're not second-rate second citizens or second-rate family members. That's, that's not God's plan. God would not adopt you in so you could be the, what the proverbial red-headed stepchild. That's not God's plan. So... But I, I said that to say this, and <clears throat> some may think that it is something less than a natural-born heir, but this is not the case. In the time of the early church, the Roman Empire was near its high point in history. And it's important to note this, is something I, I learned in studying some time ago, is that they had the office or position of what was known as the Caesar. The Caesar, he was the supreme ruler over the entire empire of the whole westernized world. He was the supreme ruler, um, the Caesar. But one thing, if we, put, if we put the Bible, or if we take the Bible in context, and people of that time and that age, they understood that adoption was actually preferable over a blood-related heir. And the Caesars of the Roman Empire never passed down that position or that title from a father to a son. The Caesar only went from one Caesar to an adopted son. And the reason for that is because you can't pick who your family members are going to be. You don't get to choose who you and we don't get to choose who the church family is going to be because that's God who chooses who the church family is going to be. But when you do get to choose, you, you get to make the best informed choice and do what's best for everyone. So the, the term adoption is really, it's something that's it's, it's greater than we would, would look at today in our common, you know, common era and common society. Some people may look at it as, as different or less than, but it's not. It's actually something more. Um, <clears throat> we cannot question God's divine will and purpose for those he has placed in the body. The church family. We have different cultures within the church family. There's a learning curve in grasping both the church culture as well as other worldly cultures that are different from our own. And if, if we just look around this sanctuary right here, there's a number of different cultures. And, you know, we're not a completely international church, but we, you know, churches, we want everyone. Everyone is welcome in our church. We respect, we respect diversity. We respect people's differences. And... This is, this is, uh, it's not always simple, as it may seem to some, <clears throat> to learn a new culture. When I came to church, I was never in an apostolic church in my life, never had been to one before. But much like uh, Pastor Hood, I did have a brother who happened to be in the apostolic church, and he invited me for not months, but probably like years before it actually worked out for me. But we have to understand that we all have different life experiences, different perspectives. So we have to be 
we have to be understanding. We have to be compassionate. And we have to be willing to take the time to get to know the differences between people and so we can come together and develop a stronger bond with one another within the church family. <clears throat> we must be strong and wise while we are in the world that is full of ungodly influences. We need to embrace and learn the culture of the church. This is a process that we all need to go through. And some of us uh, are completely in and understanding of the process or of the culture of the church, and some of us are still learning. So we have to, we have to give we have to give some consideration to those that are still, they're, they're babes in Christ. They're learning how this thing all works. And, you know, it, it is a little wild and crazy from time to time. Uh, but, but eventually, it's going to sink in. And they're going to see by our example. And they're going to see by the way we, we react and how we treat others and how we love others. Uh, one thing I will say on this note is that <clears throat> I, I try to pay attention as much as I can when we have visitors and Particularly when I bring a visitor or my family brings visitors, I like to hear what, how, they, how they felt about our service or how they felt about the people. And one thing I hear across the board, the friendliest people they've ever met. It's the friendliest church they've ever been to. That's a good thing because all churches do not have that, folks. All churches do not have the kind of love, the kind of respect, the kind of dignity all those things that the Holy Ghost provides, he provides us with those things, and, and people can feel that. People can sense that, and people understand. There's, this is not just the regular church down the road. There's something special when you walk in these doors here. <clears throat> uh, I can think back to a different culture, the military culture. That's a whole other, that indoctrination process of, of learning to become a soldier. And I remember after those times, after I left the military, and I went back to college um, as a 30-something-year-old man. I went back to college, and I was completely immersed in the academic culture of modern society. They're, they have a culture, and they have a way of thinking, and they, they will not line up with the Word of God. So we have to be wise. We have to understand the world is, it doesn't see things through the same lens that we see things as a church body, as a body of Christ. We have to. So the only way I could make it through there, I wasn't going to uh, write papers to appease the professor uh, and regurgitate everything that they said. I, I put everything through the lenses of the Word of God. And I knew that if I, if I held on, and I used the Word of God, and I followed the Word of God in everything I did, and even studying philosophy, and people say philosophy like it's a bad word. Philosophy is not a bad word. Philosophy in Greek means, uh, it was a derivative of two words, philio, which is love, and sophia, which is wisdom. That's what philosophy is. It's love of wisdom. It's not anti-Bible or anti-God. Um, some of the individuals are, but not necessarily the, the, the area of study itself. But I had to, I had to uh, filter everything through the lens of the Word of God and through the things that I knew in church. Because if you don't, you, you're going to risk a chance that if you're not strong enough, those people and those, those cultures of the world, those worldly cultures, they, they can creep in and they can somehow manipulate you into thinking differently. And that's something we, we cannot sacrifice. If, if it was a choice that I had to make between earning a degree and um, not standing behind the Word of God, 
they can keep that degree for now until kingdom come because this is what's important right here this is the this is the this has more wisdom than the entire world of 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 men in the history of men and we have to keep that in our mind <clears throat> our church should be a reflection of the best qualities that are found in our communities and the best qualities that are found in the various cultures of our members we should be bringing our best when we come to church we bring our best thing the the best cultures and diversity is great and we i love to learn new things and i love to eat good food from different cultures and and a lot of people do when they think of culture one of the first things that really comes to mind is food you know you think hey because food is, is pretty important in our life. But there's a lot more to it. Certain cultures just have, have different ways about them. And if we could bring what's best from each of our cultures into the church, just think of how much stronger and how much better and how much greater the church is going to be as a result. But what's critical about what I'm talking about right now is that we need to find our place. You need to find your place in the body of Christ. Each and every one of us need to find our place. Each of us are create, created uh, uniquely and with specific purpose within the kingdom of God. God does have a plan for you. God has a plan for you. He has a plan for me. He has a plan for those, those youngsters that aren't even walking or, or talking yet. He has a plan. So we need to be prepared to engage with the plan that God has for us and find our place. If you're a worshiper, be a worshiper. If you're a praiser, be a praiser. If you're a singer, if you're a, if you're a giver, if you're a worker, it doesn't matter what it is, but whatever your unique skill set is, use it to the, the benefit of the church. Use it to the benefit of the church. That will help you find your place. I, I mean, I will say, um, if you've been in church a year, you should have found where you belong by now. If you've been in church that long, you should have found where you belong. And if you really still feel like, I'm not quite sure where I belong, well, we need to look at that. And we need to really honestly get down and figure out what it is that God has planned for you. Because something's not, not clicking. And a lot of time, you're going to find that uh, even sooner. Um, and it's not a difficult thing. Some people think that it's, it's, um, it's just intergalactic difficult to to find a place but it's it's not that hard um, we we can we can use everybody in the church uh, we can just to be a help even if you just came and and talk to somebody and say what can I do for you today if you're just a person who wants to come and I want to find out what my role is today then find out what your role is today and get in and get busy and get to work because revival we all have heard the expression that revival is spelled W-O-R-K. And uh, we can't be afraid to get our hands dirty if we're going to be part of the church. Don't worry about everybody else. Don't worry about what everybody else is doing. Don't become absorbed in critiquing those that are in positions that may be, you know, prominent or, or easily recognizable. We need leaders, but we also need productive members that share the burdens associated with the church body. And there's plenty. There's plenty of. There's enough to go around, I promise. If, if you feel like we just don't have enough to, to, to take care of in the church, come and see 
me or come and see Pastor Hood or say, we'll, we'll help you. We'll point you in the right direction. We'll, we'll, get, you, we'll get your hands dirty for you. And, uh, and everybody said amen on that one right there. Okay. I was told in the military, I was taught in the military, that one way to know if you're performing your job effectively is that you have your team so well trained that they would be able to carry on with the mission completely in your absence. And we need to kind of develop that type of an attitude in the church. We can't just stand back and watch every, we can't be spectators. We have to be participators. We can't just sit back and watch everybody do their thing and say, that's good stuff right there. We, you need to be a part of what's going on. You need to be a part, every single one of us. And absolutely, there's a, there's a concept uh, in the military. This, this may not translate or very, very easily to church, but there's a concept in the military which, which is called the two-up and the two-down rule. And it is what this rule is saying is that it is your responsibility. It's each individual's responsibility to ensure that your subordinates understand your requirements in the overall mission and that you should in turn understand and be, be prepared to carry out the objectives of those above your current level. So if, say, myself, I was a sergeant in the military. I was a, I was a sergeant first class. So as a sergeant first class, I was responsible for ensuring that the next two lower ranks of people, they knew my job. So if something happened to me, the, the mission will be successful. The mission's going to carry on. And it was also my responsibility. I didn't have to wait and, and sit back and, gee, I wonder, I wonder when the first sergeant or the sergeant major is going to come and tell me how to be a, a first sergeant or sergeant major. And you, you'll be sitting there for a long time because they may or may not be interested in, in seeing you go forward or, or move up. So we have to understand, we need to prepare ourselves. It's your responsibility. It's not the pastor's responsibility. It's not Sister Hood's responsibility. They can't sit here and teach every single one of us uh, two up and two down on, on what we're supposed to be doing in the church. That's impossible. I mean, especially as we're going to grow. It, well, I wouldn't say impossible. He's pretty. He's pretty impressive, man. But, but it's honestly, it's not easy. And and we have to take some of the responsibility on ourselves. We have to be self-actuated. We need to build up one another so that the church is prepared for any event that could threaten us or come against us. We need to be not reactive. We need to be proactive. We need to be prepared ahead of time. Um, we're not children here, folks. You know, we've seen what happens in some churches. We've seen what happens in the world. We've seen what goes on. So we can't be ignorant. We have to understand that we need to be prepared for all circumstances that may come our way. <clears throat> Uh, it's also of note that the church uh, is, has been referred to as the bride, of the bride of Christ. Isaiah 62 and 5 says this, And as the bridegroom rejoiceth over the bride, so shall thy God rejoice over thee. Jesus Christ is coming back, folks. I don't know if you knew that or not, but he's coming back. And we don't know the time, or we don't know the place, but it's going to happen. And we need to be prepared. Uh, he's coming back for his bride, which is the church. And if you're not fully in the body, you are going to risk being left behind. Because God's coming back. He's coming back for the church, the ecclesia, the, the assembly, the called out ones. He's coming back for his people. So we can't just be 
one foot in church and one foot out of church, or I'm going to come to church on certain days that, you know, it was sunny that day, so I'm coming to church, and it was raining that day, that's why I didn't go that day. No, we need to be committed. This is, this is a life. This is a lifestyle. We need commitment in, in our convictions. If you believe, you're going to be here. It doesn't matter if it's snowing, if it's raining. Unless the church is called off, then you need to be here because that could be the day that your miracle was coming for you. We need to use much care and love in dealing with one another. It's important. We shouldn't be, and I, I don't want um, to say exactly, you know, some of the things that we've heard in the last couple weeks, but, but quite honestly, we cannot be off- easily offended. We, ca- we cannot be that. And one thing I've told myself a long time ago, there is probably, I, I don't want to say there's nothing ever, but there's probably very close to nothing that's going to be able to offend me enough to make me walk away from this church right here or God's church, the body of Christ. That's the attitude we need to have. We need to be saying, hey, I'm in this thing through the thick and the thin. It doesn't matter, come rain, come shine. If, if, it's, if it's the dire straits or looking like, you know, it's the ship is sinking, I am, I'm going to be here with the ship, and I'm going to go down with the ship. But that's not going to happen because we know God, God prevails. God prevails. We need to love each other. We need to give, we need to care. Uh, that doesn't mean we should expect everyone to have uh, the thickest skin and we can just talk very, in very harsh or brash manner. That's not what I'm saying. But we need, to, we need to treat people with love. We need to care about them. We need to truly understand and look at things with an empathy and understand what they're dealing with at times. Because let me just news break. Everybody is going to have a difficult period in their life. And that doesn't mean it's going gonna, it's gonna to knock you down or knock you out, but it, it could cause troubles. So we have to be prepared for that, and that's what the body is for. We can come back, and we can lift them back up. We can grab their hand and, and stand them up and encourage them and maybe, you know, take them out and, 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 and clear their minds and help them get back on track. That's what the church is for. We're here. We're here for a purpose, folks, and, and we cannot turn our backs when the going gets tough. That's, that's what I'm trying to tell you right here. Um, we need to love one another, but this includes something else. It's called tough love. Has anybody ever heard that expression called tough love? Is this okay, Pastor? I mean, I'm not going to steal your thunder, but I will tell you this. Tough love is something, and, and it is necessary, and it is needed. You're not always going to hear exactly what it is that you want to hear coming from the church or coming from the pastor or coming from the leadership. That's, that's not realistic. That's not reality. Tough love means we're going to tell you straight. We're going to tell you the truth. We're going to tell you what the Word of God says. And we're going we're gonna to stand behind this. If you want to know what I'm going to tell you, you might as well just read the Bible because I'm going to tell you what it says in here because this thing, this Word is way better than my wisdom and it's way better than anybody's wisdom here. I'm going to fall back and you're going to get an answer that's going to come right out of here. And everybody said amen. I can attest to personal times of trial or difficulty where... Being a part of the church gave me a strength to overcome, not only spiritually, but physically at times. I've, I've had people come to my home just to help me 
and I don't live in town. I live a little bit away. About an hour away from here is where I live. And I've had people come to my house because I was in a time of need. I didn't say, hey, would you please come over? They just did it because that's what we do. That's what the church does. We love one another. We reach out to one another. We help one another in their time of need. We don't turn our backs on our brothers and sisters in Christ. James 3, verses 8 through 16 reads, But the tongue can no man tame. It is an unruly evil full of deadly poison. Therewith bless we God, even the Father, and therewith curse we men, which are made after the similitude of God. Out of the same mouth proceedeth blessings and cursings. My brethren, these things ought not so to be. Doth a foundation set forth at the same place sweet water and bitter? Can the fig tree, my brethren, bear olive berries, either a vine, figs? So can no fountain both yield salt water and fresh. Who is a wise man and endued with knowledge among you? Let him show out of the good conversation his works with meekness and wisdom. But if ye have bitter envying and strife in your hearts, glory not, and lie not against the truth. This wisdom descendeth not from above, but is earthly, sensual, devilish. For we are envying and strife, for where envying and strife is, there is confusion and every evil work. So why is it so important that we don't gossip? or we don't talk bad about one another in the church. This is why. This is why right here. That's what we're talking about. We can't do that. The, the tongue is the most unruly member. It can, it can hurt. It can, it can pierce. It can, it can discourage. But it can also build. It can also encourage. It can also strengthen. So we have to use it for the right purposes and not for the wrong. We need to, um, <clears throat> excuse me, we need to build a strong church body and not speak ill of one another. Philippians 2, verses 2 through 5, says this. If, therefore, if there be therefore any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any bowels and mercies, fulfill ye my joy, that is the Lord, that ye be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem the other better than themselves. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. How many here, I think I'll get a pretty good majority, have heard of something called the golden rule. I mean, we learn that as children, usually, the golden rule. That's something we learn as a, as a young person. The biblical rule of do unto others as you would have them do unto you, uh, found in Matthew 7 and 12, paraphrasing. But if we look at Philippians 2, that I just read just before this, we see a concept that seems to take this to an even, even higher level. So I'm going to read it to you one more time, uh, in, in part. But in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others 
the same as themselves? No. Better than themselves. Better than themselves. So I don't know if, any, if, if anybody has caught on here, but that, that seems like a step above the golden rule. The golden rule says esteem one another or respect one another as yourself, but this is telling us we need to esteem them better than ourselves. And this is a, a principle that I, I learned about or um, heard about uh, in my civilian occupation a, a few years back. And they, it's, it's got the term called the platinum rule because it's not the golden rule anymore, it's the platinum rule. We need to be esteeming one another better than ourselves. And that's not always an easy thing. It really isn't. But when we get to that point where the church is following this and, and embracing this and understanding this, we're going we're gonna to be building up one another so much that I don't want to go anywhere else but church because this is the place to be. I mean, I'm going to get full on everything that God has for me when I'm, when I'm following after this. It's, it's critical. That's, that's the church. That's the church God wants us to be. Um, I've heard it said before that comparison is the thief of joy. There's no place for selfishness or selfish ambition in the church. Are you a giver or are you a taker? Well, we all know it's more blessed to give than to receive. But we have to understand, there's no place for selfishness selfishness in the church. Say that five times fast. All right. We should find joy in the efforts and successes of others. This is the joy of the Lord. This is the joy of the Lord. We need to communicate. Communication is critical. We need to communicate openly and with caring toward one another. We ought not to make assumptions about others in the church. This is something I think, I'm not saying that we're guilty of it here or in particular, but I, I know that at times, if we don't know the full story, we just go on and just fill in the blanks all by ourselves. That's not of God. We are not, we are not here to make assumptions on something you really don't know anything about. That's pure speculation. That's not what the church does. We, we confront things directly. If, if you have a question, then ask a question. If you have a need, then let us know what your need is. Don't, don't beat around the bush. We, you know, we, hey, I'm only going to be here for I don't know how many more years, and I don't have time to beat around the bush. I want to get down to, to business, and, and that is I want to serve God. I want revival. I want to go to heaven. I want my kids to be saved. I want you to be saved. I want to I wanna, I wanna see miracles, signs, and wonders. That's, that's what I'm looking for. I don't have time to, to, to wonder and, and speculate on what's going on with so-and-so over here or what's going on with so-and-so over there. That's not of God. We need to communicate openly and caringly toward one another. On the flip side of that, uh, we should not also assume that everybody knows everything that you're going through. This is, this is something that I, that I have seen. I, I believe that there are times where we where we make assumptions that if, if I made a mistake somewhere in the last week and, you know, somebody may have said something to me about it, that doesn't mean the entire church knows your business or, or, knows, or knows your dirty laundry. And, but I think a lot of people at times, they feel like they've got this, this mark. Uh, they're marked with, with sin. Or but you know what? 
if I felt like that was going on, I should say, hey, is this going on? If you care about somebody, you, you, you confront them and ask them. But just don't assume that everybody knows everything that's going on in your life. Because I'll be honest with you, we're all very important people, but, you know, I, I have, we all have to put in the nine to five or we have to put in, you know, we have daily things that keep us occupied. I don't have time to sit and wonder what's going on with Brother Christian over here every, every single day. I mean, I love you, but I got my own stuff to worry about. You know, you know what I'm saying? Uh, so don't feel like people know everything there is to know about you. If, you. if you feel it's important for someone to know whatever you're going through, then tell somebody. Don't just, don't assume that they know, because it, most of the time they probably don't know. And I've, I've, I've ran across this several times, and we need to make sure that we, we don't do that. It's, it's, it's not beneficial to anybody. It's necessary for us to have good, thoughtful, respectful, and encouraging communications on a regular basis with one another. It's great. I love shaking your hand. I love saying, hi, how you doing? I, I like to sit down and, and, you know, take a moment to, to see what's, what's happening in, in everyone's life here. Um, I really do. And it, it, it makes me happy. I, I do get joy from that because most of the time it's, it's really good things. It's great things. <clears throat> But we need to do that on a regular basis. Let's spend time to get to know what those those um, of us might be facing if there's times. And if you're going through struggles, you can let somebody know. You don't have to keep it to yourself and, and hide like you're going to be exposed and everybody's going to hate you because that's not what this is. We are not here to, to look down upon anybody. We're here to, to lift one another up and to encourage one another. <clears throat> Our gathering together or fellowship is essential for our church body to thrive, to grow, and to produce good fruit. I am thankful for a pastor that sees and understands and places an emphasis on this critical aspect of church health and church growth. Do you all agree that this is important, what we're doing? These lessons that we're getting... Some of us, it may be old news to some of us, but some of us, even myself, this isn't old news. This is, this is good stuff. This is new. This is, this is what was building the church. This is going to ground us. This is building the foundation, which is going to launch us to the next level uh, in revival. And I promise I'm coming real close down to a stretch already. If you want to play, uh, Sister Hood, come on up. Um, if we notice that somebody's absent, from service, we should be concerned. We should, because if you care about your brother, if you care about your sister, you, you should be concerned. I want to know where they are. Um, and you, you shouldn't assume that they're out there doing something that's, you know, wrong or bad. It, it may just be illness. It may be who knows what. But we, we, need, to, we need to be concerned. Reach out and call them. Um, my number is available to everybody in the church, and I don't expect that to come from necessarily anybody else. That's just me. That's the way I do things. I don't, I'm not, I'm, I'm semi-retired, so I do have some time. I, I, I'm, I'm available. Um, but we need to, we need to build relationships too. We need to, be, we need to build relationships and strengthen the relationships that we have here in the church. <clears throat> Let the church endeavor 
to be a place of strength, a place of love, a place of growth, a place of encouragement to and for one another. The word of God abounds within this place. It is our place of fellowship, and it is our place of salvation. God bless his church. I'm sure there was a lot of other things I was thinking about talking about tonight, but I kind of just want to say that we are, we are intimately connected to one another. If you are hurting, I am hurting. There's no in-between. That's the way it is. If you are doing well, then I am doing well. We, we are part of one another. This is something that is the world doesn't understand. And the world probably never will understand. But the church has to understand this. We are here for one another. And that's what, that's the most important thing. Uh, let's, let's stand uh, across the sanctuary. I want to close with the scripture. And that's 1 Corinthians 12, uh, verses 19 through 27. It says, and if they were all one member, where were the body? But now are they many members, yet but one body. And the eye cannot say unto the hand, I have no need of thee, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. Nay, much more those members of the body which seem to be more feeble are necessary. Everybody's necessary. It doesn't matter who you are or where you come from. We need you. We need you. The church needs you. And those members of the body which we think to be less honorable, upon these we bestow more abundant honor, and our uncomely parts have more abundant comeliness. For our comely parts have no need, but God hath tempered the body together, having given more abundant honor to that part which lacked. That there should be no schism in the body, but that the members should have the same care one for another. And whether one member suffer, all the members suffer with it. Or one member be honored, all the members rejoice with it. Now ye are the body of Christ and members in particular. Let's lift our hands and pray right now. God, you're so good to us. I am so thankful for this church, God. I'm so thankful for what you're doing here. It is a supernatural body that you have ordained and instituted, God. And I don't want to take anything for granted about what's going on in this place. Even right now, God, you can change lives. You can turn lives around. You can give direction to those that are wandering and, and wondering where are they going to go? Where do they fit? Where do they, where do they really need to be? The answer is here. The answer is here and now, right here. This church needs you. This church loves you. This church wants you. I pray that each and every one of us will, will take this, this teaching, this lesson, and just take one part of it and love one another in this church and reach out to those and, and be the church that God has instituted us to be. God bless you.
turn it over to Pastor Kevin. Hallelujah. Amen. Why don't we lift our hands all across this house and pray? Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, we give you glory. We give you honor. We give you praise. Hallelujah. God, I'm so thankful to be a part of the body, your body, your church, your bride, your, your tabernacle, your temple. Hallelujah. That you would think to put somebody like me in your church. God, I'm so grateful for it. And I don't want to take it for, for granted. Hallelujah. I think it'd be appropriate if we just took a few moments, stepped out of our seat, came down to the front, and just had a moment of prayer. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Come on, somebody lift up your voice and pray. God is depositing into us. It's line upon line, precept upon precept. Here a little, there a little. God is stacking things in our spirit. Hallelujah, he is making us his church, his body. Hallelujah, Lord, we give you praise and glory.